Welcome to From Beer to the Bible with your host, Urban Lee. Each week, you'll hear stories from Urban's road to sobriety and steps you can take to help you or a loved one find healing through Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, Urban Lee. Good evening. This is your host, Urban Lee of From Beer to the Bible. You can find information about our book, From Beer to the Bible, at FromBeerToTheBible.com. You can support our ministry at HamptonMinistries.org. I want to get right into it tonight. We've got a full show. I've got my uh, outstanding and ever-present co-host, Scott. Scott, say hello. Hey, Irvin. How you doing? Hey, man. Good to see you as always. We appreciate your time and support. And then we have our new forever friend, Sarah McDonald, who works at La Hacienda, who is now one of our, actually our first uh, partner of the show. So first of all, thank you. God bless you guys for the wonderful work that you do. And thank you for realizing and helping us reach more people who are suffering from addiction. So say hello and greet our our audience tonight. Hello, everybody. My name is Sarah McDonald. I'm with La Hacienda Treatment Center, and I'm so excited to come to you guys tonight to share my story and talk about what God has done in my life. That is so awesome, Sarah. And as you know, you've listened to the show before. We anchor ourselves in the word of God, and I normally open with a prayer, which I'll do today. Father God, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love, and we thank you for rehabilitation centers like La Hacienda. Please continue to bless them in all things and all ways. Bless Sarah and her family as she continues to do your will and walk in your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have to say, I'm excited to have her here because I am a La Hacienda alumni, and that's how we got connected uh, about a year ago. Is that right? Maybe a little more than that? Yeah. I did a short stint as business development director at another uh, rehab facility and reached out and met her, and we just connected, and it's been great ever since. So it is awesome to have her here today. Yes, Sarah, and I want you to share with our listening audience your testimony. Sure. Um, well, I grew up in a super religious Catholic home, mm-hmm. um, knew, knew God of the Bible, knew the stories. My grandmother poured into me from a very, very young age, mm-hmm. um, had the foundation, um, had the great parents, um, nothing kind of out of the ordinary mm-hmm. to me. And when I was about 25 years old, um, graduated from college, uh, Moved to Houston, started working for General Electric in their Mm -hmm. sales department, and just wanted to be a corporate businesswoman and quickly realized that that was taking a lot of people out for drinks and meeting after work. Um, And then it kind of got to meeting during lunchtime and Mm -hmm. just taking customers out and drinking and going to dinners just became a part of my world. Right. And, um, kind of had like we call them little t traumas where i broke up with a boyfriend and mm-hmm. i immediately knew that the bottle could take away the pain mm-hmm. and so that's kind of what happened to me i started drinking and then drinking more and then drinking more mm-hmm. and then found myself um drinking kind of a a handle of vodka like half a handle of vodka wow. every single day for the yeah. next two years and with women and alcoholism, it just hits you quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it goes down fast. Didn't know what was going on, kind of kind of toyed with the, the fact that I, I might be an alcoholic, but right. grew up in this Christian home, um, kind of, you know, my parents just didn't understand, like I didn't understand what was going on. I had mm-hmm. a college degree. 
I just thought addiction were the people that were under the bridge. Right. And um, it took me a long time to get help and get treatment because I had this mentality and this idea in my head of what alcoholism was. Right. And um, went in and out of AA for about two years and just didn't get it. I didn't understand those people, especially (laughs) because... Um, they didn't want to talk about God and God was such a huge component in my life. I prayed the disease away for a really long time Yeah, and that didn't work. Um, tried to go to AA and, and just didn't, didn't get the two together mm-hmm. until I went to treatment. And one day I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. My parents had asked me to go to treatment several times before and I was just scared. I was yeah. in total fear of what that would look like. And it, to me, it was defeat. I mean, I was a type A, you know, I did everything I was supposed to do throughout my whole entire life. I checked yeah. off all the boxes and this was complete humiliation. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand that humiliation was a good thing. Yeah. You know, um, I didn't, you know, I grew up being Catholic and I love the Catholic faith, but it was so much, um, you need to do this and you need to do yeah. that. And to me, that sounded like, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. And then having this big A on yep. my forehead was just like the scarlet A. It was like, oh, now she's an alcoholic. Like she is completely defeated. She right. is just, she is just not what we thought she was supposed to be in life. And I did, I just started, you know, that's when I started unraveling. And finally I just, I said yes. And I, I was done, you know, I was done with everything. And so there is a man by the name of Rick Hubbard. Mm-hmm. who did an intervention on me and he just kind of told me everything that I needed to hear. And I yeah. was listening for the first time. Um, he came to my home and told me what treatment looked like, what mm-hmm. it was, um, what it wasn't and told me his story. And he was in the business world as well. And for the first time I just met another alcoholic who looked like me and talked like me and yeah. And I was like, okay, this is going to be okay. And so I said yes, and I went to treatment, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Okay, okay. Talk to me a little bit about, because I noticed this, and it happened a lot when I was in rehab, where we would get type A, successful people, raised right, right background, right job, and they would come in, and the first thing they would say to me is, I don't belong here, because their idea of an addict was the guy under the bridge. Can you talk about that misnomer and how that impacts people uh, in their journey uh, of recovery? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of, of Hollywood and what the movies tell you and um, what people's idea is because they see people asking for money on the side of the road. And yeah. usually they know it's going to go to drugs or alcohol and they don't tell you the other side of the story. And that makes up the majority of people who go to drug and alcohol yeah. treatment is people like you and me, mm-hmm. everyday people, um, all walks of life who have jobs in all areas. Yeah. Um, if I were to tell you, you know, the people that came to treatment, you would just be shocked because you have this idea of this profession and they're supposed to be taking care of you or take, you know, just great jobs, if you will. Yeah. Um, and they're the people that need the help the most because they're the people who take on the world, who um, do everything they're supposed to do. And at some point they have been through a trauma or they have been through some big thing that they just... They can't take it anymore. And everybody knows that 
drinking is legal and it's acceptable and yeah. it kind of starts there and um you know just it just calms the mind and it calms yeah. everything down and it makes it it makes everything better and some people start with other drugs like a painkiller because they went through a surgery yeah um so it just depends but the majority of people that go to treatment are everyday people like you and me and that's what i realized when i got there is these people are like me they talk like me they act like me they yeah. have jobs like i do i'm in the right place and that's the first time i realized this is exactly where i need to be and that is the first time in years that I found Jesus Christ again is in that treatment center. Wow, that that's powerful. And I can you talk about what treatment looks like? Because one of the things that I know that keeps a lot of people in their active addiction out of seeking recovery is the fear and the the shame of saying I'm going to rehab or I'm going to AA. And I know I had a lot of fear, like, man, I'm going to rehab, but what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, so could you talk about that? Yeah. Uh, so treatment centers and treatment looks different everywhere. I mean, so it's very important that you do your research and you find a treatment center that that you want to be in that mm -hmm. is quality, quality care, um, a good place. There's a lot of places um that are kind of like a hospital environment. There are a lot of places that are a resort place, but that mm -hmm. doesn't mean they're good necessarily. So I just want to make it clear that you need to do your research. You need to ask the right questions um, and you need to pick the place that you feel in your heart that you're, you're pulled towards. And that's kind of what happened to me. Um, I went to a treatment center in the Hill country and mm -hmm. it was away from people, places and things. And yeah. that's exactly what I needed was yeah. to get away from the hustle and bustle of the city in an environment conducive to healing. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in a long time, I was just wrapped with love um, and just acceptance that I hadn't felt in a long time. And that is exactly what you're going to get when you walk through the doors of La Hacienda is just being loved on, being accepted and feeling like you are at the right place for the first time in a long time. Um, so that's kind of the first thing I would say. Mm -hmm. um, taken care of by the doctors you're educated on the disease of addiction to where you kind of buy into oh my god this isn't just a me thing this is an actual disease in the brain and this is what happens and this is how it happens mm -hmm. oh and there's also kind of a genetic component to it and right. you can be you know you can have had this passed down from years and years and years and so there's just so many things that you learn in treatment that you just have a better understanding of yourself. And mm -hmm. I always tell people, this is a place to go and get a better sense of yourself. Okay. And it's kind of like going to summer camp and, uh -huh. and getting your sense of self <laughs> back. It's, you know, you, it's at least 30 days of just beautiful environment, lots yeah. of education, you know, therapy. You're figuring out why you started drinking and using in the first place. Um, you pinpoint what that looks like and you yeah. address those issues. And then you might get a spiritual component to it, too, along the way. And that's kind of what happened to me. And mm -hmm. like I said, I found Jesus again in that treatment center and everything just came alive. The big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the Bible became synonymous right. to who I was, to, you know, all the values and morals that I had been taught over the years. 
um, everything just came together and the light bulbs just went off. Um, and that's kind of how I was in college. I wasn't the type of person that um, could just read a book. Yeah. I had to sit in that classroom and take notes and that's how I learned. And it's, the, it's kind of the same thing with treatment. That's how I saw it anyways. I had to go there. I had to, you know, quiet the noise of everyday life. And I had to just learn what this thing was mm-hmm. um, and how I could stay sober for the rest of my life. Well, I think that's what I found when I went to the hospital. I mean, when I got there, I was the same. I, I thought I was just a moral failing. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and and we've talked about this that I, you know, I grew up in a, in a very religious background too, that was Southern Baptist and I had a perception of God and, and I had to relearn, well, who is he really? Or she really, what is God really? Mm-hmm. And what is that to me? And all of a sudden the Bible didn't become, and like you talked about the big book, they all became synonymous. And all of a sudden I learned there's this person that loves me in spite of me and doesn't turn their back on me. Right. And that's what I found when I went to La Hacienda. And and I picked it because it had a, a, a faith-based component to it. And it's not, you know, not everybody has to do it. But the other thing I found was the other similar was that there, there were people like me that talked like me, looked like me, had backgrounds similar to me. More importantly, they had the same fears and type of resentments mm. that I had, that I wasn't alone and I wasn't crazy. Yeah. I was just human and I was broken and I didn't have a solution. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so many times when we go through trials and tribulations of life, period, but certainly when you go through addiction, we feel so alone and so isolated. And I think a part of that is our enemy wants to make it feel like it's just you going through this moment alone. And I always remember the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. And for this particular recovered alcoholic, the more time I spend in here in my mind and by myself, the less I am effective to be used by God for his will, his assignments, his purposes, and his works. You said something earlier, um, and it's so important that I have found to recovery. And to me, it was one of the most painful things. And Scott, you can chime in on this as well. Is people, places, and things. Because I had had my crew, man, for 40 years. These were my, you know, these are my boys. Yeah. And wait a minute, I can't hang with my boys anymore. To me, that was the, it's still, it's painful. It's a painful thing. So can you talk about that and how it affected you as you came out and started your journey of recovery? Absolutely. So my last name is McDonald, but my married name is Oliveda. So I am Hispanic. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of this kind of culturally doesn't matter if you're Irish Catholic or Hispanic or does your your culture has a lot to do with yep. how you grew up and how you're raised in mm-hmm. my culture drinking is just one of the things that you do you're yep. like initiated <laughs> from a very young age and it's cool to drink right. and so i could not wait to to become of age to start drinking yeah um and i started way before i was of age let me just you know say that right now <laughs> mm-hmm. but looking back I remember having that first taste of alcohol and knowing that yeah. it made me feel different, Yeah, but not knowing anything about alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Um, to this day, I've been sober 11 years, and I know that if I take a drink, it's off to the races. Yeah. I am not going to stop until I get drunk. Yeah. 
And it took a long time to realize that. And so my mission in life is just to educate people. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you have to stop um, hanging out with your friends, mm-hmm. maybe for a little while mm-hmm. um, till you get a good grounding of what this is and how to stay sober and put some tools in your toolbox mm-hmm. um, that create new healthy coping mechanisms. Yeah. Um, but your friends, they don't have to go away entirely. But Mm -hmm. you do have to change, you know, the way you might go to your job every day because you might not need to pass by that liquor store every single day. Um, So people, places and things, I use that a lot because you have to do changes in all of those little things. Mm -hmm. Um, And the little things make a big difference later on down the road. And then later on down the road, you can hang out in a bar and not want the alcohol. Mm -hmm. You will make fun of people who leave a little bit of wine in their glass or a little bit of beer in there. It's like, what are those people doing? That's part of how I still know I'm an alcoholic. I still remember the first time I drank, right? And I felt different. And you know, I talked to my wife and she's like, I don't remember the first drink I ever had. And I'm going, how can you not? Right. That That's weird. I do. You know, or I had a friend who just turned 60 and I went to go buy him a nice bottle of bourbon and I, and I walked in the liquor store. And I can't remember the last time I've been to a liquor store. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at this row of bourbons going, they didn't have that many when I was drinking. What happened? Yeah. And they all look good. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I'm still an alcoholic because I want one of all of them. Yeah. I don't want just one bottle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh. It's funny how that thinking is still there, but I can do that today because I'm spiritually, I'm in the right place to be able to do that. But I also know if I'm not, I don't need to go in there. Yeah. I, I need to stay away. And at the end of the day, it all boils down to be spiritually fit. Yeah. Yes. That's the word yeah. that I was going to ask about. So to pivot off that, one of the questions we get from our listeners all the time is how do you, once you become sober, how do you stay sober? And what are, I like to call them the rhythm of your, your, your living and being sober. So what are some of the things that you do on a daily basis to stay sober? So everybody's a little bit different, um, but it was, it was advised to me early on in treatment to do specific things. Mm-hmm. If you do these things, you will stay sober. Yep. And my type A personality was, I'm going to do these things and I'm going to stay sober. Yeah. Um, I wasn't going to let this defeat me. And, you know, just the whole fact of me wanting, not wanting to go into treatment in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't going to go back. Yeah. You know, and so I was going to prove to everybody that this was one and done. And so I did everything I was supposed to do. I went to meetings. Yep. I got a sponsor. I worked the steps. I, Went to a therapist and she told me um, to start doing Bible studies. Yeah. And so early on, I started going to women's Bible studies and and telling my story. And that's kind of what, what you were saying earlier about isolating. You can't do God's work if you're not sharing your story. No. And so I kind of a lot of people are very fearful of that and, and, you know, talking about, hey, I'm an alcoholic or, hey, this is my story. But. The more I did it, the yeah. more God opened doors for me to help other people. And I started leading Bible studies and women started opening up about their stories. And, you know, it wasn't always alcohol. A lot of it was eating disorder, infidelity or, right. you know, all the other things. But I think that everybody has something that's put into their lives to ultimately find Christ. Well, I like what you said about I wasn't going to let this defeat me, but that's also Christ doesn't want that stuff to defeat us either. 
and to your point, we all have stuff. It looks different and there's no moral equivalency between they're all the same in his eyes. And he just wants to help put us back together so we can go help other people. And that becomes a really beautiful journey when you embrace it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And can we touch on this just before we close out? Just the genetic component that is so many times overlooked. If you could here in the next minute or so, talk about that. Um, well, if you think about Native American Indians, this was uh, an example provided to me, but they were take, their land was taken away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge trauma that has been passed down generationally. And yeah. Native American Indians have the highest rate of alcoholism. Yeah. And so obviously Native Americans and Hispanics um, kind of got together. And so Hispanics are in that generational yeah. pool. Um, same thing happened to Irish Catholics. You yeah. know, they were they came over here and they were the poorest of the poor. Mm-hmm. And they had a lot of trauma that went along with that. And so that's another kind of generation. So if you're just thinking generationally, think of things that um, might have happened in your generation. Another thing that I all always tell people to do is just ask questions. Ask your uncles, ask your right. grandpa, ask, hey, was there any alcoholism <laughs> in our family? Did anybody, um, was there any mental illness in my family? Like, if yeah. you start asking questions and piecing it together, you will find the answer and the truth. Thank so you. that's kind of what I did. Okay, thank you. And then we will be right back with more with Sarah from La Hacienda on the other side. We'll be back with more of From Beer to the Bible right here on The Word, 100.7 FM. Finding addiction help is intensely personal, and the differences in options may not be immediately clear. Hampton Ministries was founded with the intent to provide people struggling with substance and behavioral issues with guidance to find the best environment for their well-being and recovery. Our main focus is to help those who use drugs and alcohol to break free and learn to cope with life circumstances. Hampton Ministries provides a rehab welcome kit to provide crucial resources to make their journey a success. Utilizing Lonnie Hampton's principles of character, work ethic, and selflessness, participants learn to hold themselves accountable. We want to help each individual obtain the life skills necessary to live a happy, successful, sober life. If you or a loved one is wrestling with substance abuse and needs help finding treatment or to donate, please visit HamptonMinistries.org. That's HamptonMinistries.org. Welcome back to From Beer to the Bible. Here's your host, Irvin Lee. Welcome back. It's your host, Irvin Lee of From Beer to the Bible with my co-host, Scott, and our great friend, Sarah from La Hacienda. Sarah, tell the people a little bit more about if they need help and would like to have more information about La Hacienda, where they can find you guys. Well, La Hacienda is located in Hunt, Texas, and that's in the beautiful Texas Hill Country. Yes. If anybody out there needs help, you can call our 1-800 number at 800-749-6160. We're in network with all major insurance companies yes. to keep the costs low. Uh, We have a great balance between the medical component, the clinical component, and the spiritual component. Mm -hmm. Patients see um, a doctor every single day while they're in treatment. They're double boarded in addiction medicine and internal medicine um, alongside with just really great therapy um, and just a really solid understanding of the 12 steps and, you know, just the spiritual component of addiction and um, how to make us whole again. That is awesome, Sarah. And I have to say, 
thank you again to you and to La Hacienda for understanding and seeing Scott and I the vision of wanting to have a platform where people like yourselves and us can discuss not only recovery from addiction, but recovery in Christ from addiction. And Scott, if you want to close us out, I know you're an alumni and I know you got something to say, so give it to him. Oh, I just, uh, I love them. And I, and I just, I think I'm, I can't do, say enough good things about them. I'm eternally grateful. And, and I say that literally, cause that's where I got baptized. Yeah. And uh, I will be eternally grateful to the people of Hacienda. Nothing left to say but amen. Thank you again, Sarah. Amen. Thank you. And I want to leave you today with the love. I love you. The faith is in Christ Jesus, and the hope is found in the Lord our God. May God always richly bless you. Thank you for listening to From Beer to the Bible with host Irvin Lee. To learn more, visit FromBeerToTheBible.com. There you can catch past episode podcasts and find other resources. That's FromBeerToTheBible.com.